from the heart of flyover country. He's not on the far right, and he's certainly not on the far left. Like you, he's somewhere in the middle. This is Dale Carter's America. Well, we are back. Dale Carter along with uh, Kurt Wheeler. We usually record these things on Monday, but Monday, as you know, was uh, the Memorial Day holiday. So we were going to do it Tuesday. Then you and I got busy. And then Wednesday was really busy. So uh, if anybody's keeping score, this is actually Thursday when we're recording the podcast. Yep. Don't cancel us. It's just been a crazy week. It has, yeah. Yeah. Been uh, catching up the whole week. And a lot on the plate still. I mean, when, when I'm done recording this uh, on the radio show at KFKF, I'm celebrating my 24th anniversary on the morning show. And so every year we do, except for COVID, we do a city tour where I go to the number of cities that represent each year. Uh, so we did a 22 city tour two years ago. We didn't do a 23 city. Uh, this year it's the 24 city tour. So we're heading to Excelsior Springs right after the recording of the podcast. I'm going to a place called Wabash Barbecue. Uh, is uh, this stop number one? Stop on number the, one. Okay, cool. And uh, you can see the entire list when I'm coming to your town at kfkf.com. Would love to have some of the folks who listen to the podcast come to the town where they are or close by just to come out so I can shake your hands. I've had both my shots. Um, I think I'm good to go. Sounds like fun, man. Yeah. So uh, that's going on a little bit later on today, and you can read about where we're going to be at kfkf.com. I wanted to start with a reflection here because uh, I got news yesterday that an old boss of mine passed away, a guy named George Beasley. That name mean anything to you? Beasley Radio Group? Yeah, Beasley Broadcasting, yeah. Uh, Beasley Media Group. Um, I worked for George Beasley from 1984 to 1990 when he sold our radio station, and just the consummate gentleman. He passed away. He was 89 years old, and everybody is giving him all the accolades you can imagine because he was just that kind of a guy. Mm. I mean, imagine, if you will, uh, you're new to the radio business. Relatively, I've worked yeah. for a lot of ownership groups. I've only worked at four radio stations since 1980. Mm. It's like the new groups come to me. I don't go right. to them. They come right. to me. Um, and we work for nice guys now, mm -hmm. three brothers, the Frischling brothers who own the station. It has not always been the case that we've worked for very nice people. Mm. Uh, George Beasley was one of those guys. Um, as the owner of the company, on your birthday, you'd get a personalized birthday card from him mm. that said, enjoy your day off with pay. Mm. Wow. That was the kind of guy that George Beasley was. Very nice. Uh, very humble beginnings, too. He was a school principal in North Carolina in 1961, when basically he got an AM radio station that was owned by the school district, and he built his empire off of that. Mm. And the Beasley Media Group now is in major markets throughout this country, and uh, I had the chance to work for him, and he was just a, a stellar guy, and uh, he will be missed. George Beasley was 89. George would appreciate this first news story that I want to cover. I just saw this on the wire. An invisible sculpture has now sold for more than $18,000. I saw something about this, but I didn't actually read the story, so I'm curious to hear more. Because in radio, we sell air. Right. Right? This guy's, Hot air. Hot air. Well, yeah. <laughs> this guy sold air. It's an invisible sculpture, $18,000. The Italian artist Salvatore Garo sold the sculpture at an auction recently along with a certificate of authenticity. The buyer's anonymous, but it will be displayed in a 5 by 5 private space. So there's nothing there. So is this, is this guy like trolling people or is, is this a joke or? Somebody paid $18,000 for it. Right. But it's, it's, so there you go. That's our next thing. We're going to make invisible sculptures and see if we can sell that them. That sounds great. Yeah. This is giving me all kinds of ideas, Dale. Yeah. There you go. 
So an invisible sculpture sells for $18,000. When we left you uh, on the police department issue here in Kansas City, uh, the mayor and the council, at least a majority of the council, it's interesting that the four council members who are part of the police commission didn't even know this was coming. Right. You heard that. Yep. Yeah. So the mayor and a supermajority, as he calls it, of the council voted to take $42 million out of the police budget and put it into something... What is it he calls it? It's the uh, Community Services and Prevention Fund, Mm, whatever that means. Well, guess what? There was a lawsuit filed by the Kansas City Board of Police Commissioners, and a judge basically has said, let's everybody just step back, take a deep breath, count to 10, and now the uh, city has two weeks to answer the charges of the police commission before the, the courts get involved. And you can bet the state of Missouri which has oversight of our police department. We mm-hmm. talked about that in the last podcast. They're going to have something to say at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, I mean, the move might be if it's going to be continually controlled by the state is to raise the the minimum um, percentage that we spend or or just, you know, be more specific about what we're spending it on, you know, in terms of the number of officers and equipment and patrolling and and those sorts of things. I think it was right around or right after when we recorded our last episode, but there was a big uh, city council meeting or something like that up up in the Northland somewhere, and like 400 people showed up and were very upset. I don't know if you saw any of the pictures from that or anything, but that was, you know, interesting. And now the court stepped in and said, everybody take a deep breath, count to 10, and to be continued, and we'll follow that story for you. I would just, I would just, I I mean, the reason I bring that up is because I think it, it shows that it's, it's an issue that matters to the citizens of the city. You know, there's been multiple protests, you know, and multiple demonstrations where people have obviously, you know, peacefully assembled and, and showed their disapproval for, for this move. And, and I think, you know, that doesn't happen with a lot of other things that, that people don't really value as highly. So I think they should really be paying attention to that, and and hopefully their voices are being heard. And there is a sentiment in some circles that this is only a problem north of the river, that only people north of the river care about this. And I don't think that's true, Uh, especially when you look at where most of the violent crime is happening. Right. It's happening south of the river. Right. Um, So, you know, it's to be continued. We'll we'll see what happens. I think the only difference there is that, you know, people living south of the river, people living in the hood tend not to go to city council meetings. You know, <laughs> doesn't True. mean they're not upset about it. I'm sure they are. I mean, you know, if you lived in one of those neighborhoods and you worried about that thing constantly, I worry about it every morning when I drive down Southwest Traffic Way on my way to the radio station because at three o'clock in the morning, there's there's some interesting things that are happening in our oh, neighborhood. Yeah. Up next, we're talking about uh, the latest hack that the Russians have, have done here. Hopefully, President Biden is going to do something about it at some point. He says he's going to talk to Vladimir Putin about it. I would love to be a fly on the wall in that meeting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the I la- bet Putin be- speaks better English than Biden does. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the last time this happened, it was the gas pipeline, and, and there were idiots out there who were hoarding gasoline. Remember we talked about that? They were putting it in trash bags. Mm-hmm. That is just stupid. Yeah, and baskets and... Just stupid. Paper bags. Yeah. Uh, well, now it's, it's, it's the beef. It's, it's the beef. Um, what was there was a big company I guess that's responsible for a lot of the beef production in this country and uh, they're back up and running by the way you don't need to go out and hoard you know um, steaks and and other beef products mm-hmm. it's going to be okay uh, but President Biden is going to meet with Putin they're going to meet in a couple of weeks and he says he's going to bring it up 
Doesn't think Putin's testing him here. Okay, so when he says he's going to bring it up, what does that mean exactly? I don't know. That's why I want to be a fly on the wall. I want to hear how he brings it up. Yeah. I mean, him bringing it up, that's not very strong language. You know, I mean, it's to begin with. So I I have very little faith that he's going to present any kind of a challenge to Mr. Putin. Oh, boy. Fun times that we live in. We are coming out of the uh, Memorial Day holiday. And on the air, I always talk about this, make the distinction, because a lot of people don't understand the distinction. It's kind of like in in the country music award area, you have song of the year and single of the year. Mm -hmm. Song of the year goes to the writer who wrote the lyrics for the song, Mm -hmm. and it's about that. Single of the year is is about how well the song did on the chart, you know, how many weeks it was number one, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So there's a distinction there. There's a difference between Memorial Day and Veterans Day. Memorial Veterans Day first is easier because it's when we salute all the men and women in uniform, past and present in mm-hmm. our country. We thank them for their service. Uh, Memorial Day is where we remember those who gave the ultimate sacrifice to keep us safe and free. Yeah. And I, I learned something else this weekend or this week, uh, last week, I should say, um, about the Memorial Day, how it's sort of uh, presented and and talked about. Todd Nixon from one of our sister stations, I was working on a, a commercial cause I do production here and in the script was happy Memorial day. And he came in and he said, you know, you can't say happy Memorial day because it's, it's supposed to be a somber holiday remembering those who have fallen for our country. So we changed the wording. And so that's something that I didn't realize before, you know, sometimes you just say it's a holiday, you know, you just say, Oh, happy holiday, happy X, happy right. veterans day, happy Memorial day, happy Merry Christmas, you know? But it, it really, it's not something that you should say during Memorial Day because it is yeah. supposed to be a time of remembrance. I think the way that we say that is we observe Memorial Day. Right. Right. Uh, but it is, it's the unofficial start to summer, and I get that. Indy 500, Coca-Cola 600, pools are open, barbecue grills are going, especially coming out of COVID-19. I get that there's a dual purpose to it. You didn't know about it. Kamala Harris should know better. She's the vice president of the United States. Mm-hmm. And her initial tweet on Memorial Day, she got a lot of backlash from it because it was her with a big smile on her face that mm-hmm. said, have a great weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and veterans everywhere, there was blowback right. on that. So she had to go back and redo all of that and uh, have a more somber tone to talk about it. But the reason I bring up Memorial Day, because we're a few days past it now, <laughs> there was a conservative group at uh, Georgetown called Campus Reform. Okay, uh, it's a conservative news site at Georgetown, and and they took a fake petition out to people mm-hmm. on the campus and asked them to sign it to basically do away with Memorial Day. Yeah, I think I saw this actually. Yeah, <laughs> and they got people to sign it. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, because you know people were saying that it, uh, Memorial Day glorifies American imperialism. Yeah, yeah. Uh, One said Memorial Day represents a lot of negative aspects of America and highlights something that people shouldn't necessarily be proud of. Yeah. And that's our, I mean, that's my generation, maybe a little bit younger than me. So what the hell's the matter with your generation here, Kurt? (laughs) Come on now. You know, back in my day, we... (laughs) Well, I don't want to be that guy. You know, which is why on Tuesday you told me, I'll set the room up. I've got stuff I've got to do. You can do the podcast without me. No, I can't. Because, you know, people expect to hear your perspective on it. Oh, well, thank you, Dale. Otherwise, it's a grumpy old guy saying, get out of my yard. Right, right. Get off my lawn, yeah. And that's my whole morning show. So (laughs) I do that for four hours. I come in here to get a little bit of perspective. Yeah, I mean, that that does speak to... um, 
a couple things. I mean, first of all, the indoctrination on our, our college campuses is insane it's and out crazy. of control. And I've witnessed it firsthand. You know, I went to undergraduate and graduate school and, you know, just, just the uh, classes on globalism, the, the victim, the victimization mentality being pushed all the time, the America sucks mentality being pushed all the time. And really, I mean, I see a lot of examples of young people who are relatively reasonable or intelligent and go to college and then they actually come out in many ways dumber than when they went in, you know, or well, they come out more indoctrinated. They, we have a first amendment right in this country and I'm glad that we do have it because it allows people on college campuses to say the dumbest things that they want to say. I mean, you can't say fire in a movie house, but you can say really dumb shit and get away with it uh, because, because our soldiers have done what they've done right. and because those gold star families, gold star indicating that you've lost someone in your family in service to the country, um, because they did what they did, you get to say pretty much what you want to say. Sure. Yeah. And I, I'm, I don't, I'm not saying, you know, that they shouldn't be able to say it. It's just troubling that <clears throat> they do. Yeah. Excuse me. It's it's troubling that they do, you know, and it's troubling that the the younger generation, you know, the millennials or, or Gen Z or whatever you, you want to call them, uh, seem to have a lack of respect for the history of our country and a lack of respect for how great we have things here relative to the rest of the world and the rest of mm. human history. You know, it's uh, it's pretty astounding. To put it in perspective, those same college students who feel that way about our military, I would love to see them go to Tehran, yeah. the capital of Iran, right. and basically criticize that government mm -hmm. for hanging homosexuals, right. which well, they do. Well, it is Gay Pride Month, you know. It so is. And, and that's what they do over there. <laughs> yeah. Because they're not free. Yeah. They're not free to say whatever comes into their mind. A couple of other quotes, though, that, that came out of this thing is just, it blows my mind. Uh, one of the students at Georgetown said, I'm not celebrating. I don't think Memorial Day should be a thing we celebrate, personally. I think it's a celebration of U.S. imperialism and colonialism. Adding, I didn't really think this way until I got to college, and I yeah. took women's and gender study classes, uh -huh. and that put me on this pass, path where I'm like, and I'm going to quote here, this is not. These aren't my words. Uh -huh. It's a podcast, right? We're not yeah. going to get in trouble with the FCC. <laughs> yes. I've never used this word on the podcast. Oh boy, you sure it's okay? It's fine, Dale. All right, bad word coming. Cover the kids' ears. <laughs> this person said, "Yeah, fuck the U.S." Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, like uh, he spelled it out. I, he or she, whoever it was, they spelled it out perfectly. I didn't feel this way until I got to college, mm -hmm. and then I took women's and gender studies. Just so and you know, now I feel this way. That Memorial is exactly Day, how it works. First celebrated three years after the Civil War on May fifth, eighteen sixty-eight. The Grand Army of the Republic established Decoration Day to honor fallen soldiers' graves and established May 30th as the annual holiday, according to the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs. The first major observance of the holiday was held that year at Arlington National Cemetery. And then in 1971, Congress passed the act declaring Memorial Day a national holiday, placing its observance on the last Monday in May. So that's the story of Memorial Day. And, and I would go back to what that person said, too, is, you know, if I were doing an interview and somebody said that, I mean, the first thing that I would say would be define American imperialism and colonialism. What, what does that mean? Because it's one of these terms like systemic racism or misogyny or, you know, bigotry and all of these mm -hmm. things that, that people just throw around. And I don't think they really can define it. I don't think they really know what it means. Like, what is American imperialism? If America is an empire 
you know, if, if we're this evil empire, why do we not have, you know, dictate dictatorial control over any other country? You know, we, we go fight wars in other countries and then we leave and we leave them to their own thing. You know, um, I would say maybe we shouldn't even be doing that, but, uh, we're certainly not an imperialistic power. We're not going out and conquering places. We're not, you know, forcing people to do what we want them to do. Well, so. read a history book. Look what we did in Germany and Japan after World War II, the Marshall Plan. Yeah. We essentially rebuilt those countries. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> I, again, I would just ask them to define that because I don't, I seriously doubt that they could, especially if they're learning that in women's and gender studies classes. Yeah. I've got, I didn't take that in college. I don't know that they offered it back in the stone age. Cause you know, we wrote on a tablet back in those right. days and Dell was too busy studying men's studies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I found this is kind of a hodgepodge today, just some stuff that's been gathering on my desk. Um, did you see this? The Atlanta mayoral candidate, uh, th- this guy, you know, could be Quentin Lucas. Uh, he voted to sequester $73 million from the Atlanta Police Department budget. Uh, this guy's running for mayor of Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you hear what happened to him? No. Okay. He had his car stolen by a group of young thieves. Ah. Okay. They ranged in age. From six to twelve, whoa! Six to twelve-year-olds. He had just gotten out of his white Mercedes to speak to a fellow community leader uh, when he spotted four or five kids, aged six to twelve. The children were walking around a store. Within seconds, they were inside this guy's car. One was in the driver's seat. Ben, his friend, attempted to open the door to get him out of the car. He fought with Ben. He says, "Then I engaged and tried to get him out of the car." The three other kids were trying to figure out how to get in the car or stay out of the car. He started to hit on the gas, and then Ben let go. As he started to speed up, and I knew that if I had not let go, I knew I probably would have killed myself because he was going so fast. So it dragged him. He started to tumble, and it says it would have hurt the kid. Uh, He wants to thank everyone who reached out to check on him. Appreciate the love and support. Uh, His car hasn't been recovered. The car dragging him down the road with 6- to 12-year-olds who he couldn't fight. You know, he couldn't take out a 6- to 12-year-old. I live with a 12-year-old. I think Mm -hmm. I could take him. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So if you can imagine a 6-year-old perpetuating this thing. And by the way, this candidate still says we need to take $73 million out of the Atlanta Police Department. So he was the one that was dragged behind the cars? his car. It's insane, man. I mean, there's so many. I'll, I'll go to you first. I mean, what what goes through your mind when you hear that? Well, you know, I just think it's idiocy to defund the police at all. Um, Harold Ford Jr. was a Democratic member of Congress. He's on The Five now on Fox once in a while. And he is a Democrat you can actually reason with and have a conversation with. Mm-hmm. And even he is saying the idea of taking money away from the police department is sheer idiocy. We need to be spending more. Should there be accountability in police departments? Should we be rooting out the bad apples? We've talked we've talked about that. Mm-hmm. We should be doing all that. Mm-hmm. But to say that you're going to take nearly $100 million out of the Atlanta police budget to take $42 million out of the Kansas City budget, it's, it's idiocy. I agree. I totally agree. But I, I mean, I think there's some much deeper, more troubling things happening here. I mean, we're talking about five. What is it? Was it five kids? Yeah. Five kids ages five six kids to 12. Ages six to 12. Stealing a car mm-hmm. and driving away with the owner of the car dragging behind the car. That's way bigger than the police budget. You know, it's <laughs> like, uh, where are the parents? 
Well, that's uh, true. I mean, I mean that's know, the, what, certainly that's what, the, the that's the source where of is the problem. The, where is the culture? Yeah, you know, I mean, there's you you can, we can argue about police budget all we want, but if those issues are not fixed, if the culture is not fixed, if we don't have um, parents of of young children who are held accountable for for these types of things, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, like obviously the kids should be punished, but the parents should be punished too for for a- allowing their kids to be in this environment and to do this. I mean, there has to be accountability, whether it be legal accountability, criminal accountability, or just like like we, we talked about a couple weeks ago, shame. I mean, shame has a place in society. It does. Those parents should be ashamed. They should <laughs> they should be ashamed to show their face in public at the very least, you know. And uh, until, we, until we address those issues, the the police budget, I mean, obviously we agree on it and we should be funding the police and we should... We should uh, largely support the police, but, you know, uh, police only exist to stop crime. So we're seeing more and more crime and we're seeing crime committed by six to 12 year olds. So, I, I mean, that's the bigger problem as far as I'm concerned. Isn't it interesting, though, that you've got to have a license and take a test to drive a car? Mm-hmm. But to be a parent, you don't. You just have to have a successful sperm that, you know, right. fertilizes an egg and voila, right. you're a parent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's always been the case, and and uh, I, I think f- I've heard from a lot of people. I don't have kids yet. I plan on it at some point, but you know, it, it changes you, is, is what I've <laughs> heard. Does. You know, it, it it makes you, it forces you to be more responsible. But that is not the case for a lot of people, or for <sighs> more and more people. You know, they have kids, and it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to change the way I live my life. I'm still going to be irresponsible, and I'm just going to let them roam the street and do whatever they want, and commit crimes and get into trouble you know and i mean it's that's not acceptable in a in a in a moral society we just can't have it you know well i have blonde hair except for the gray and uh, the, the gray that you find that's mixed in with the blonde and i uh, have it four, sounds like you're making excuses four sons is my excuse and <laughs> yeah, every gray say. hair that i have i burned every damn one of them so um <laughs> yeah thanks to my kids my grandkids on the other end if you could just skip to the part where you don't have kids and you go right to the grandkids right. i think i'd be in for that deal yeah. yeah but i mean no i don't i don't know your children but knowing you i'm assuming that your kids weren't out stealing cars when they were 6 to 12 years old not that i'm aware of okay. <laughs> Not that I know, although as they're getting older and, and they're your age and older, um, you know, they, they'll say things, they'll get together in a group and they'll be like, you didn't know about this. And I'm like, you know what? I don't need to know. Yeah. I don't want to know anything that happened. You know, plausible deniability is a really good thing. Right. Okay. Moving on to uh, the fashion part of our deal here. Oh. Have you heard of this thing? The wet pants movement? Oh yeah. I saw your Facebook post. Oh my gosh. Well, I can't do pictures here on the podcast, but you can go to my Facebook page. Dale KFKF is where you can find me. Um, and it's, it's called the wet pants movement. There is a company out there that sells jeans. I am not making this up that have a big pee stain right in the middle. Mm-hmm. Can I say what I said to you in response? Well, absolutely. I've, I've dropped an <laughs> F-bomb this week. So Dale told me about this, and I said they need to make a women's version and make it red. They have. <laughs> hey, you know, they the, most of them are the blue denim, and they've got like a dark blue stain, but they have a pair of white that have like a big yellow stain. Yeah. I mean, who would walk around with this? I don't know. I, I, I Again, it's like the, uh, it's like the invisible uh, sculpture thing. It, who knows? I mean, if it's a joke or if it's just for publicity. I'd rather look at an invisible sculpture than somebody looks like they got a big pee stain in the front of their jeans. I mean, if you think about it, 
this is this is my second thought. My first thought is just the joke, you know, that they should make it for women with red. But my second thought is this is brilliant marketing. I mean, imagine if you're a jeans company, you come out with a line of jeans that uh, have a pea stain on it. I mean, you, the the amount of people searching for your brand online, the amount of people going to your website, clicking on your Facebook page, and all that is going to go through the roof. So, you know, I would I would be interested to see if this uh, particular company, if they if they sell other jeans that don't have pea stains on it because they're well, sales. since we also make hats. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean, does it have a pea stain on it? Is it like bad aim or something? I got to tell you, I, I have worked with two people, and I am not going to name names here uh-huh. at this radio station. Okay, who would drink until they peed themselves? Yeah, and you know, one of them was in management, and uh-huh. I I saw him one morning on my way into work, and I had to half carry him up to his office. So oh, that the no. rest of the staff could go find his car, get him some clothes, and all that. Oh man! I mean, that is not a good look. No. I you talk about shame. I mean, that ought to be a, a shameful moment if you've ever peed yourself. Yeah. You know, rather than a fashion statement. Yeah. I, I well, full full disclosure. I I did. Uh, I don't know that I want to know this. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I no everyone. I mean, the boss already knows that. I uh, I did come in pretty hungover one day, but that was about it. So. That was the extent of my. That's different than drinking to the point where you pee in your pants. Yeah. By way of full disclosure, I, I've never done that, but you know I've been hung over myself. And um, one time it was it was um, at a game at Arrowhead. I mean uh-huh. I've been out late the night before, right. Drinking at a concert or whatever, and I right. came in to do the Chiefs Giants game. I think we were playing the Giants, and they had a guy in their secondary who had one of these long. United Nations names that needs a vowel here or there, right? And you know, some clicking sounds or something. Pronunciation can be a challenge for the PA announcer. And I remember he made a tackle, and I told my spotter, "This guy is not allowed to make a tackle, right? Not today." Right. And he goes, "I'm sorry, man. He made the tackle." And so I've got the pronunciation guide in front of me, and I just did it syllable by slow <laughs> syllable, and I hear laughter coming from the crowd. I'm <laughs> Not one of my finer moments oh, as the man. PA guy, but but I've been there. I've never done it to the point where I've lost control of my bowels or yeah. my bladder. Well, certainly not the latter. I can yeah. say. Is that the other? I mean, is that what's well, coming next? A big I brown shit stain. In my pants, if that's what you're asking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is, that, is there's like a big? Are there going to be jeans with a big brown stain on the back? Who would be proud Maybe. of that? That's the next. That's well, the new hot trend. I don't know. Smell is sold separately, by the way. Somebody asked me what they smell like. I think the smell is sold separately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so that's enough of that. I don't think anybody who listens to this podcast is going to line up to get a pair of wet pants. Hey, never say never, man. They they are available out there. Okay, so... um, You know, we have listeners in like six or seven different countries now. Wow. So, you know... Different cultures, you know, you yeah. never know. All right, well, <laughs> it might be into that. Maybe that's the thing. Yeah, I'll tell you what. If it is, I want to hear from you. Send me an email to dalec at kfkf.com. Any of you who are really into this and uh, you want to get a pair of wet jeans, I just want to know that somebody is doing this. Yeah, if you do buy them, please take a picture and post it on our uh, Dale Carter's America Facebook page. Yeah. So we can make fun of you. This is the, I'm moving on. Next segment. Okay. Here. Next segment. <laughs> Last Friday was a big day at KFKF. We celebrated our 58th birthday as a radio station uh, and honored people like Ted Kramer and Uncle Don Ray. They were here initially. The station was called KCKN 
from 1963 until 83, and that's when the KFKF call letters came in. Uh, so it was a big day. We were celebrating that. We were going into Memorial Day, and, you know, I play this game called Guess a Celebrity at 715, mm-hmm. and we give away prizes. And I've, I've tried to make it more fun and easier to guess. Like today, uh, Sam Elliott was the uh, guest mm-hmm. of celebrity. It was we we're talking about the beef thing and the hacking well, and all Elliott. that. Sam Elliott is one of the voices that does the you know beef. It's what's for dinner. Yeah. And so I did guess the beefcake, mm-hmm. right? Because a lot of women, especially our Debbie Erickson, I don't get it, but they fawn all over Sam Elliott. So it was guess the beefcake. Well, on Friday. Um, I found a clip of Arnold Schwarzenegger, former governor of California, actor, um, and he was talking about uh, the sacrifice of the men and women who have died defending this country. Mm -hmm. And I thought, man, sometimes a guy who was not born here thinks about it a little more clearly than those of us who inherited it, Mm kind of like the Georgetown students who don't appreciate where they came from. So I called it Guess the Immigrant. Mm -hmm. Is that bad? No. Guess the Immigrant? No. Okay, so from the mailbag right after the show. So I get off the air. I'm feeling high. You know, we've we've celebrated the 58th birthday of the station. I felt like I set the tone for Memorial Day weekend, the proper tone. And uh, we got a complaint email. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is from the cancel culture, by the way. Mm -hmm. They look for stuff like this. So, you know, they are trying to get me fired. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is actually from the mailbag. Hearing your guess the immigrant game this morning was one of the most disgusting things I've heard on the radio. Obviously, he's not heard the podcast. Um, He says, and obviously he got a dictionary for Christmas, the xenophobic rhetoric is appalling, and the racist who thought this was a good game is undeserving of a job. I'd hope that on-air talent would be more than capable of creating entertaining dialogue that wasn't so divisive, insensitive, and just wrong. He finishes it with, do better. (laughs) <laughs> Do better. Be better. Be better. Be better. Be better. I'm not going to give you his name uh, because I think most of us are on the same side on this. I did respond to him. I said, all of us at KFKF are constantly looking for constructive feedback. I went back to the tape to make sure I heard it correctly. Very sorry you were offended. We play Guess the Celebrity every morning at the same time. Lately, I've added categories in an attempt to make it easier and more fun for the listener. The clip from Arnold Schwarzenegger, who immigrated to this country from Austria, was one where he was paying tribute to the military and the sacrifices they make. I made the comment that sometimes those who decided to immigrate to this country are more appreciative than those of us who were born here. And then I said, by the way, here is the dictionary definition of an immigrant, a person who comes to live permanently in a foreign country. It's not divisive, right? No. Yeah. Um, I I continued in my reply, I'm not sure how what I said could be construed as xenophobic, the definition of which is dislike or prejudice against people from other countries. I have nothing against Arnold or the people of Austria. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't have even uh, given it a response, to be honest. Just curious, was this the same guy that that sent in a letter about you mask shaming? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I don't know that I know who that was. I think that may have come in anonymously. Okay. This one actually had a name attached to it, and I did write back to him. I guess what? I never heard from him again. Well, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, this gets back to, you know, there are certain definitions out there that people are trying to make into something that they are not. Mm-hmm. Um, years ago, I was doing the morning show, and uh, we were on the plaza at that time, and I went up to Burger King on uh, Main Street to to get some lunch. 
And as I was coming back down Main Street toward the radio station, I got hit from behind. Okay. A bunch of people got out of the car. They were Mexicans, Mm -hmm. right? And I called the police and I said, there's been an accident here. And uh, quite frankly, if you've got uh, a bilingual officer, please send them because I can't understand what these people are saying. Mm -hmm. And I went on the air the next day and and Mary McKenna was my partner. And I said, I got hit by a carload of Mexicans. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the next thing I know, you're giggling, but the next thing I know, I get hauled into the general manager's office and he's like, you can't say that. Mm -hmm. And I said, they were Mexico. They were from Mexico. Right. If I got hit by a carload of Canadians, I would have said I got hit by a carload of Canadians. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like the same movement that's trying to get rid of the chief's name. That that's kind of what this reminds me of because we're slowly drifting into this area where simply just referencing anything for what it is is considered offensive. Like saying that somebody is an immigrant is offensive, right? Naming a, a sports team after a Native American or a Native American culture is offensive. It's not, it's not degrading that. You're not saying, you know, immigrants suck, don't come here, go back to your country. Arnold is, you know, an idiot, whatever, he, you know, whatever insult you want to say. You're, you're simply making a reference. And the, uh, I mean, it's the same, it's, it's the uh, women's and gender studies classroom, you know, mentality coming into the mainstream. It's it's people being offended by everything and taking a simple reference to objective fact and turning it into a perceived insult, which is ridiculous. Would you agree that the cradle of civilization is over somewhere in the Middle East and or Africa, that that's basically where humanity began? Yeah, I haven't done too much research on this, but from what I've seen somewhere in Central or Sub-Saharan Africa is where most humans came from. Aren't we all immigrants to this country? Even the Native Americans. I mean, if you go back far enough, they came across the Bering Strait from what is now Russia Mm -hmm. into this country. So even the Native Americans are immigrants. We're all immigrants to this country. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, people move all the time. Things change. Countries change borders. Um, You know, they get bigger. They get smaller. New people come. People leave. Uh, borders are enforced, borders are not enforced. I mean, there's lots of factors. And and yeah, I, I think that's definitely true. You know, the, the saying that we're all immigrants, you know, uh, is objectively true to some degree. I would say that I tend to avoid that because it's become used more as a political tool now where it's like immigration is our strength. We're all immigrants. Those kind of sayings are used by the left to justify open borders Mm -hmm. and justify uh, mass illegal immigration and also to justify the argument that, you know, we stole the land from the Native Americans and all this stuff. And as you say, they were immigrants too. And not only that, but they were fighting with each other and cutting each other's heads off and all that kind of shit. So, I mean, history is certainly not pretty, but... um, just purely factually, I mean, yeah, that's that's definitely true. Well, where I you know take issue is illegal immigration. Love immigrants. I think we are a country of immigrants, and that is our strength. You just said that. Uh, but where I take issue is illegal immigration. And if I were a legal immigrant from Mexico or another country south of our border, it would offend me how open that border is right now. Yeah. And I, I actually would not say that immigration is our strength. I think that... Americanism is our strength. So if well the fact that we've come together as diverse peoples, you know, and 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 drawn strength from that. 
How? I think there is strength to be drawn from working with different kinds of people and, yeah. and not all being the same. You know, diversity brings strength. Yeah, I mean, there. Uh, you I learn think, something from people. I'm learning from you. Yeah. You're maybe learning from me. I don't know. And we come from very different backgrounds, mm-hmm. different generations, mm-hmm. but but we we learn from each other. And I think when you get the best and the brightest who want to come to this country, we learn from them. I mean, Albert Einstein immigrated from Germany. Right. Okay. And thank God he did because of all of the things that he did to move us forward scientifically. So I think diversity it does bring strength. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it does to a certain extent, but I think um, not just purely for the sake of diversity or immigration. You know, I mean, those those are the arguments that are seem to be being made by the left is like diversity is our strength. Like diversity alone, you know, as a virtue is worthwhile. And I just don't see that because... Like I said, I mean, Americanism having ha- having shared values as mm-hmm. a society is the most important thing. If you don't have shared values, if you don't have to a certain extent some sort of shared uh, history and and shared um, morals, you know, and and shared uh, code of ethics, then you don't really have a society. So, if we have people of diverse backgrounds that are able to fit within that and able to homogenized americanized yeah exactly i get that and we'll get to that when we talk about what you love about america because tops on my list is something that i think will bring all that together sure Uh, but before we move on you mentioned uh, there are people coming after the chiefs just like they went after the redskins Mm -hmm. and the indians in cleveland um in the uh, canadian football league which by the way they did not play their season last year because of covid Mm -hmm. will they come back this year who knows? We'll see. The Canadian border is still Does closed anyone care? and sealed. Well, I just I bring this up <laughs> because the uh, Edmonton franchise in the CFL for years and years was the Edmonton Eskimos, and that is no longer the case. Mm-hmm. The Edmonton Eskimos are now the Edmonton Elks. Ah. <laughs> so if you're an Elks Lodge guy, you know, go have a beer in Canada yep. and uh, cheer on your team, the Elks. Hey, you know what? At least it's better than the Washington football team, so... They've got that going for them. Well, you know, I heard somebody smarter than me point out that the plural of elk is elk. Right. <laughs> so, right, But they're right, calling right, it the right, elks, right. <laughs> which is grammatically incorrect. But who knows? It's politically correct, grammatically incorrect. Uh, I guess everybody's going to be happy. That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. So as, as we go into the summer of freedom, I, I thought the topic today that we could talk about is what do you love about America? And to your point that you just made about immigration, the fact that we do come together from diverse backgrounds. I mean, um, my family, my my grandmother's family came from Germany. You can track it back to the 1790s when they came over. Um, Most of my family, though, came from – I'm one of the whitest people you're ever going to meet. When I did my Ancestry.com thing, have you done that? I haven't actually. I'm kind of curious to yeah. do that at some point. But I, I am the whitest person you know. I mean, all of my tree comes from either Great Britain, um, you know, the English islands, or Northern Europe, Bavaria, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but but they came here mm-hmm. and they left Germany behind mm-hmm. and they settled in Southern Indiana. Uh, you know, at a time you know going into World War One and World War Two, where the Germans were the bad guys. Mm-hmm. You know, but they became. Americans and and my grandfather actually was in the Fifth Engineers 
uh, that followed the D-Day invaders into Germany in World War II, he spoke German better than he spoke English. Mm, interesting. And, you know, they, they would talk to him and they'd say, Hensley, we think you're a spy, you know, <laughs> right, because he right. spoke German. But, you know, he killed Germans. Right. Right. And um, thank God that those Americans who come together come together under that eagle, under that banner that's red, white, and blue, and they go forward as Americans with, with similar ideals. And, and that's one of the things I love so much about our country. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a good example. Um, you said it was your grandfather? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good example of the diversity versus Americanism sort of dichotomy. Because, yeah. you know, like I said, I, I think diversity is fine and, you know, I, I have no problem with it. And I, I, I enjoy, you know, like I went to uh, college in near D.C. It's a very diverse area. There's lots of different cultures and lots of different types of food and things like that. And I enjoyed it. You know, that was all great. But in terms of preserving a society, um, there are more important things than that. You know, that's not what we should be aiming towards as our ideal, which I think is something that the left does. You know, the left views diversity as the highest ideal. And that's dangerous because you're going to bring in people who and encourage people who do not share our ideals to become part of our society it's very damaging to the society mm-hmm. and i think your grandfather is a good example he was somebody who was from uh, a german background spoke german at the time when we were fighting the germans and the fact that he was german should not mean that he can't be an american because he had the right ideas he fought for america he was very patriotic and pro-american that's what we need and we should um you know be encouraging more people like that to come here and less people who are not like that to come here. But I can also understand, you know, people maybe being a little skeptical of him at the time too, because, you know, we're fighting the Nazis at the time. And here you have somebody who speaks German comes from that area, mm-hmm. you know, just the likelihood, it, you know, of, of that person being uh, not friendly to America is higher. Not to say that, you know, you should be xenophobic or, or bigoted against that person, but I, you can kind of understand why people might be a little bit more skeptical. You know what I mean? But well, you know, in my, his case, you know, that's certainly not the case. And I think he proved that he, he proved his worth and, and he, uh, you know, did what he had to do and fought for the country. So I commend him for that. My hometown in Southern Indiana is Evansville. And, um, before world war two, world war one, not so much, but world war two, uh, there's a part of town called Germantown. Mm-hmm. It had a German name. They had a German newspaper. They had all these things. And yet Evansville for World War II production, for military production, they were making airplanes. They were making these huge boats called LSTs. Do you mm-hmm. know you know what an LST is? Um, they made those in Evansville. And you know they were really worried about the German population of Evansville spying on especially the boat yard where mm-hmm. those things were made mm-hmm. and shipped down you know the Mississippi and coming out through the Gulf and all that mm-hmm. uh, but I'll say this about World War II it would have been over a lot quicker if they'd sent my grandmother instead of my grandfather what do you mean <laughs> my grandmother would have wrapped the thing up quick oh. she was yeah that was a joke oh, okay just, gotcha wow Sorry. okay <laughs> we need to insert a laugh track there don't we <laughs> yeah all right fine you want to try it again? You know, it would have been over a lot quicker if they'd sent my grandmother. <laughs> oh, boy. Sometimes I think you're an asshole, but we're going to move <laughs> right along here. The next thing, you know, that I love about America, obviously, is the Constitution. When we started this podcast, we spent several episodes kind of tearing the Constitution apart. I think that you'll find that constructionists like me, 
um, who who love the Constitution, and then you've got the other side where where I think in a lot of ways they hate the Constitution and they want to tear it apart. But just things that that are in the Constitution crafted by the founders. I mean, it, it's a genius piece of work if you think about it. Uh, they in the 18th century, these guys came together. And they came up with this three-part government. They came up with a system where you had states that had their role in the deal. You had a federal government with limited power. Uh, you, you've got freedom of speech. You've got freedom, uh, the Second Amendment. You know, you've got the freedom to uh, carry arms, bear arms, and all that. Um, there are protections in there for you as an individual. I love the Constitution. It's one. It's it's probably the number one thing that I love about this country is the Constitution that we live under. Yeah, and it's it's you know it's obviously not just the uh, the piece of paper and the words on it. It's the ideas that are behind it. The the philosophical history of the Constitution and the uh, legacy of the West that is preserved in the Constitution. You know, it's the idea that you're responsible for your own life, that nobody is supposed to take care of you. It's the idea of individualism. It's the idea of freedom and liberty to do what you want with your life. It's the idea that if you want, you can make something of yourself. You know, um, These are all totally unique ideas to the West and to America specifically. So, And that's what I'm talking about when I say that those should be, that should be the, the number one priority in terms of um, our preserving our society, you know, is, is um, teaching that stuff, you know, not teaching our kids uh, women and gender studies, not teaching our kids, you know, systemic racism and critical race theory and all these things, but really preserving what makes our country great in the first place and uh, continuing that legacy onward. And whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, a liberal or a conservative, when you become president and you raise your hand, um, you swear an oath to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. And with that Constitution comes balance. No one group has more power than another. You know, you've got an executive and a legislative, and if they tangle, you've got a judiciary over here. And I did see something, um, uh, one of the headlines that grabbed my attention was there have been a lot of nine-to-nothing decisions lately coming out of the Supreme Court, and it's almost like the court is saying to Joe Biden's commission, don't screw with us. Mm-hmm. We've got this down, and you know we can, we can look at the Constitution and make the right decision. There, we don't need... 15 justices or 19 justices or 435 justices, we've got it down. So the three-part system really works in this country. And again, it's genius that came out of the 18th century. Yeah. And, and before that, and hopefully continuing after that too. I mean, it's, it's a difficult time where, where not only are we being tested physically in terms of, you know, coronavirus and, and, uh, racial tensions and, you know, creeping socialism and all these things, but we wouldn't be having any of that if it wasn't for an erosion of our fundamental ideals as Americans. And I think that's the most troubling part because without preserving the ideas and without, without understanding where we came from and why, without understanding what was written in things like the Federalist Papers, you know, we're not going to be able to preserve our American system and preserve our society if people don't understand and appreciate that, you know, and it's not being taught, it's not being promoted. And if it's not being promoted and not being taught and it's being replaced by something else, 
then I mean that's that's the top of the ladder there. Everything mm-hmm. else is going to fall away from underneath that. So, well, my friend Charlie Daniels, we lost him last year. Um, just we lost so many country artists last year. But Charlie Daniels was one of my favorite guests to have on the show because we didn't talk a lot about country music. We talked about America and American mm-hmm. exceptionalism and things like that. And he had a saying that that he said it more eloquently than I ever will. Um, but he said that there are two reasons that America is a great country. Uh, one is by the grace of Almighty God, and the second is by the strength of the U.S. military. Mm-hmm. You know, and and we we definitely pay tribute to them during Summer of Freedom on KFKF. And uh, we we know, I know anyway. I don't know where you fall on this. I know that there's a grander plan, and that it comes from a Creator. Um, there's just too much, too too many things that have happened that make you think that this is all random chance. So I, I would go with Charlie Daniels and say that the two reasons that we're a great country the grace of God, and the strength of our military. Yeah. Now, lastly, uh, before we turn over, because I asked Kurt, you know, what he loves about our country, I would say there, there's an F word that I love about this country. You know, we broke the seal on that. I, mm-hmm. I, the first F bomb has been done on the <laughs> Dale Carter's America podcast, yep. and I did it. The other big F word that that I love about America is, is freedom. And, and I remember this, and you see many examples of this and different reasons to, to bring it up, but do you remember the movie Hunt for Red October? I love that movie. Yeah. There's love a it. line in it where the first officer is talking to the captain, played by Sean Connery, and he wants to raise rabbits on some kind of a ranch, and they don't know where they're going to land, and he is shocked by the fact that you can go state to state mm-hmm. without having to show your papers. Yep, yep. Um, and think about that. In this great country, you can drive from the Gulf Coast of Florida, Vacation Central, to the mountains of Colorado, to the West Coast. Um, You can't quite drive to Hawaii. You're going to have to get on a plane. But we have so much to offer in this country from sea to shining sea, and you don't have to show your papers. I mean, there was some debate about that. You know, I've got a paper in my car that says I was vaccinated twice for (laughs) COVID-19. And there were people who wanted to turn that into a passport Mm -hmm. that you would have to go places and show your papers. Yeah, well, we're still not out of the woods yet, so. We don't do that in this country, and uh, freedom is the reason why, and freedom is is the biggest thing uh, that I love about this country. Now, Kurt's going to take it in a completely different direction. What, what do you love about this country? Well, I wanted to say one thing, too, about the hunt for Red October, the first officer. Spoiler alert, but when Remember when he the dies? The movie came out in 1990 know, yeah. for crying out loud. <laughs> remember, remember when he dies? The last thing he says is, "I would have liked to have seen Montana." Yeah, that's, he wanted to go a, to Montana. That's a great line. I love that line. Yeah. Okay, so Dale, uh, we were texting earlier in the week about you know talking about what's great about America on this show. So I responded, "Okay, what's great about America is guns, whiskey, boobs, fast food, pickup trucks, country music." Am I missing anything? No, I mean you had me at boobs. <laughs> He laughed. <laughs> we didn't have to have a laugh track for that hey, one. My man. God. We've, we've been laughing this whole time. What man, are you talking about? World War II would have been over so much sooner if they'd sent my grandmother instead oh, of my grandfather. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, John Wayne is a hero to a lot of folks who listen to this podcast. I know because I hear from you folks. The Duke, John Wayne. In fact, uh, for Memorial Day, I watched the, the Otto Preminger movie uh, In Harm's Way. Mm-hmm. you you got to watch that at least at some point in your life. Are you a John Wayne guy or a Clint Eastwood guy? I'm more of a John Wayne guy. Uh, and I saw the story today that they never were in a movie together, never in a Western together. Do you right. know this? 
Quick departure here before we get to John Wayne. Um, but they were never in a movie together. They tried to get it done. John Wayne was not a fan of Clint Eastwood, did not like the way his generation depicted the West. Mm. And the first movie that uh, that Clint Eastwood directed, I can't remember the name of it, but it was a Western. And John Wayne actually sent him a letter and said he did not like the movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> Clint Eastwood never responded, and the two of them were never in a movie together. More Clint Eastwood or John Wayne? I'm, I'm definitely a Clint Eastwood guy. I mean, uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly is probably in my top five or top three favorite movies of all time i'm a fan of clint eastwood but if you pin me down and it's got to be john wayne or clint eastwood that's the generational divide on this podcast it also has my favorite i think my favorite movie line from the good the bad and the ugly you've seen it right yeah so after the dueling scene at the end where uh tuco is like still alive the other guy's dead and and they're getting the gold and so clint eastwood because he takes his uh he takes the bullets out of his revolver that's how he wins the duel he takes the bullets out of tuco's revolver while he's sleeping and he goes up to him and he says there's two types of people in this world those with loaded revolvers and those who dig you dig (laughs) (laughs) that's a great line and you need a laugh track okay so the reason we're talking about john wayne is uh, one of the things we play on our show on the high holy days of patriotism comes from john wayne he couldn't sing a lick You don't want to hear John Wayne sing. I don't want to hear John Wayne (laughs) sing. But this is a song, quote unquote. It's called America, Why I Love Her. And it goes from sea to shining sea. It's the Duke, John Wayne. Until next week, this is Dale Carter's America. You ask me why I love her? Well, give me time. I'll explain. You seen a Kansas sunset or an Arizona rain? Have you drifted on a bayou down Louisiana way? Have you watched the cold fog drifting over San Francisco Bay? Have you heard a Bob White calling in the Carolina Pines or heard the bellow of a diesel at the Appalachia Mines? Does the call of the Niagara thrill you when you hear her waters roar? You look with awe and wonder at her Massachusetts shore where men who braved a hard new world first stepped on Plymouth Rock. Do you think of them when you stroll along a New York City dock? Have you seen a snowflake drifting in the Rockies way up high? Have you seen the sun come blazing down from a bright Nevada sky? You hail to the Columbia as you rush into the sea, or bow your head at Gettysburg, our struggle to be free? Have you seen the mighty Tetons? You watched an eagle soar? Have you seen the Mississippi roll along Missouri's shore? Have you felt a chill at Michigan when on a Winter's day, her waters rage along the shore in thunderous display. Does the word aloha make you warm? Do you stare in disbelief when you see the surf come roaring in at Waimea Reef? From Alaska's cold to the Everglades, from the Rio Grande to Maine, my heart cries out, my pulse runs fast at the might of her domain. You ask me why I love her? I have a million reasons 
fly. My beautiful America, beneath God's wide, wide sky. on Dale Carter's America are Dale's and Kurt Wheeler's. They do not necessarily reflect the views of KFKF or Steel City Media. Comments can be sent to dalec at kfkf.com. Thanks for listening. Check back every week for new episodes.